Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Well, I am the only man in a house of four females. And, um, and so I, I decided to have a competition with all the, uh, the other females, the females in my house. And so I'm currently winning the long hair competition in my house. So I actually feel pretty awesome about that. And people say to me all the time, they say, man, it's so funny. You look like Jesus, you know, and like for some people, it's like the first time. I walked down the stairs the other day of our church and um, there were these guys. We got a TAB at the bottom of our church and, you know, all sorts of characters hang out at the TAB. And I walked down the stairs and these guys, they've probably had a few too many beers. They're hanging down the bottom at the TAB. I'm walking down the stairs just trying to sort of be unnoticed and get to my car. And these guys, they just start yelling, it's Jesus, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. I walked into a restaurant the other day and they said, oh, table for Jesus and who have you brought with you? I said, oh, it's Jesus' wife, you know. It's, it's the bride of Christ. I've brought the bride of Christ with me. And um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and so it is actually amazing. It is an amazing connection. But I, this is, in all seriousness, this is what I say. My prayer for the longest time since I've been saved is, when people look at me, I want them to see Jesus. And when people say, you look like Jesus, I, my answer is, well, I, I, I'm doing my best. My only question is, why is not every guy growing their hair out to look more like Jesus? Because some can't. <laughs> True, it's a blessing. I can, I, can, I, can pray, I can pray for anyone with that issue. <laughs> Jesus. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> Lord. You know, the, the one thing about, this is the last thing I'll say about hair. The one thing I'll say about long hair that I didn't realize until I experienced long hair was that sometimes when you take a deep breath and the wind blows just in the wrong direction, the hair goes and you go, and I have fully swallowed my hair multiple times. I don't know if anyone else does that. I talk to people of long hair and they're like, that's never happened to me. I'm like, how has that not happened to you? I've just about choked to death on my hair. But anyway, that's about as much as I'm going to say about hair. But it's good to be here. And um, <laughs> that was a bit of a dad joke, but it's okay. I've got three girls, so I am a dad. I can make those jokes. But Jesus, you're so good. You're the ultimate father. Papa God, you're so amazing. Jesus, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for what you're doing in this group of people. Thank you for what you're doing in Christchurch. I thank you, God, that we are safe in your presence. I thank you, God, that we don't have to prove ourselves to you because you've already proven yourself to us. God, I thank you, God, for the way that you've made yourself real to us. And I thank you, God, for the relationship that you've invited us into. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to touch every person in this room tonight. I ask that there will be a strong anointing tonight. I ask that uh, when people leave, they would leave different to how they came. I invite heaven into this room. I invite the angelic into this room. I invite an open, open, open heaven. In the name of Jesus, I declare anything's possible in this room. I declare um, 
mindsets been shifted in this room where people have deemed things impossible that, that they would leave realizing it's no longer impossible. God, I thank you for a breakthrough in this room tonight. Breakthrough in this room tonight. Holy Spirit. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Just turn to the person next to you and say, Amen. How you guys doing? Cool. Cool. Well, hey, I want to I want to share something with you tonight. And uh Yeah, I want to share something that I'm, I'm actually really excited to share. And I feel like it's for you as a church, but it's particularly for some individuals in here. <clears throat> and I feel like at, at th- as I'm speaking, you're going to get to decide whether this is for you or not. I feel like it's for you as a community, but there'll be a few people that lay a hold of this possibly before others. And I, I want to share something with you that I feel like is for you. I feel like you guys as a church are called to be like a forerunner church. You've got kind of a John the Baptist mantle on you. You've got a, a calling on you that, um, that you're called to be like, you know, the message translation says, John the Baptist was thunder in the desert. The voice of one making straight the way of the Lord. But he was thunder in the desert. What, what is thunder? Thunder is what comes, you know, after lightning. And it's a sound. And what is it a sound? that It's a sound that makes you aware of something. And what it makes you aware of is this. It makes you aware that rain's on its way. Thunder's what happens before rain. What do you not get in a desert? You don't get rain. A desert is a place that is not used to rain. It's, it's unusual for there to be rain. There, there is no rain in a desert. A desert's a dry place. But when the thunder comes, everyone goes, well, that's not normal. We haven't heard that. What's that sound? And that's the sound of transformation. That's the sound. That's the trumpet that gets sounded that lets everything else in the desert know this desert's about to no longer be a desert. This desert's about to become a fertile jungle. This desert's about to become a place that had no life but is about to be filled with new life. And Christchurch is like that place. New Zealand is like that place. And God is raising up a sound. And I've talked about the key of David. I've talked about, um, and if you've been here for the weekend, and if you haven't, then I also do advise you to go back and listen to those messages because they weren't just teachings. They were for you for now. They were for you for now. And maybe I didn't articulate everything perfectly, but they were for you for now. And I talked about the key of David. I talked about a new sound. I've talked about a heart of worship. And there is a new sound coming out of this place. But I want to talk about that sound and be a little bit more specific with it. It's a pioneering sound. It's a forerunning sound. It's a sound that maybe hasn't been heard before. And I want to let you know, you don't need to be like everyone else. But you do need to be like you. And there's something unique. There's something special. There's something powerful in you that is you. We've been crying out for revival. We've been crying out for a breakthrough. We've been crying out for breakthrough in our nation. And every time something happens, and particularly in this city, things have been going on in this city. And and it's let us know that we're still in need of breakthrough. 
And I'm sure that you as a church have had prayer meetings and you've been part of city prayer meetings and you've been part of uh, these different um, events that people put on and gatherings that, that people come to where you're crying out for breakthrough in this nation, in this city. Amen? I've been crying out, you know, my friend Gerhard here, and I remember, you know, however many years ago, we spent like three years, three mornings a week, crying out for revival in our land. Me, Andy, and Gerhard crying out for revival. And, we, and we, 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 we were just, you know, going hard, praying for revival. And what we realized halfway through that is this. When you pray for something to happen out there, He does it in here first. Breakthrough doesn't come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. He, 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 puts, he puts that breakthrough on the inside of you and you become the breakthrough incarnate to the world around you. That, you know, the incarnation didn't, the, the principle of incarnation didn't stop at Jesus. It's the way God works. God is an incarnate God. He doesn't work out of the blue. He works through you. He's looking for a group of people to be enthroned upon, but He's looking for a group of people to be incarnated in. And that's why when people say, you look like Jesus, I say, well, that's my, that's my number one life goal because I want to be so infused into Christ and Christ so infused into me that literally when people encounter me, they encounter Him. I want the breakthrough of Christ to be so enfleshed into me that I am literally a walking breakthrough for others. When I pray for revival, when you pray for revival, you better believe this. God will do it in you before He does it around you. God, God will do It's not just going to come from out there somewhere. It's going to come from somewhere in there. There's a, there's a wellspring of life that's going to spring up on the inside of you that will come out of you. You know, you are the revival you're praying for in some senses. You are the breakthrough you're looking for. Jesus is looking to massage His life into you in a way where you become the thing you're praying for. Ah. <laughs> and you guys, and particularly some individuals in this room, I called to pioneer something new. You're called to be thunder in the desert. And I want to say this to you. It's time to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's time to stop waiting. And it's time to stand up. It's time to not, it's time to, to resist the temptation to wear the mask that everyone else wears. And it's time to fully be you. You can be inspired by other places. You can be inspired by Bethel and Whangarei. You can be inspired by other great churches and movements around the world that are inspirational and that you receive impartation from and help from and advice from. And that's awesome, but there is no other you. And you are a pioneer church. And there are churches in this city and churches in this nation and people and places and things in this nation that are waiting for you to stand up into who you are. And only when that happens will they stand up into who they are because you're a go first kind of people. You're a pioneer kind of people. And I want to speak to you in that context tonight. I want to talk to you out of, uh, I want to read one scripture and then I'll tell a few stories and then we're going to pray. I'm going to talk to you about uh, Micah 2. I've traditionally called this, every time I preach out of this passage, I've, I've typically called it the Micah 2 radical sheep message. But, you can call it whatever you want. I think we call it something else on the social media thing. But um, Micah chapter 2, verse 12. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. Oh, so many rabbit trails here. I'm disciplining myself. 
I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I'll put them together like sheep of the fold, like the flock in the midst of their pasture. They shall make a loud noise. There's the sound. There's the thunder. They shall make a loud noise because of so many people. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out, pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. Now, obviously that's talking about Jesus, but Christ and use the hope of glory. And the Lord is going to break open away and people are going to come in behind the Lord and the Lord's going to be at the head, but the Lord's in you. The Lord's in you. And this is how it works with sheep. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's probably some people who are au fait with sheep in here. But this is how it kind of works with sheep is, is you have the sheep and you have them in a paddock and there's a fence in the paddock and they can be completely out of grass in the paddock and there can be just green grass all around them. But they won't leave that paddock to explore the new grass if they feel like there's no way to get to the new grass. Even if there's a massive hole in the fence, even if, um, even if there's actually a way out, even if the gates maybe even open, if, if they're used to being stuck in the, in the paddock, stuck behind the fence, they'll just assume, well, there's no way to get there until something happens. And this is what happens. It's always one. I've talked to many farmers. They all say the same thing. It's always one. There's always this one, and it's kind of like the radical sheep. It's kind of like the John the Baptist forerunner sheep. This one sheep, and it's kind of like often the same one every time. This one that's just a little bit different, that's kind of like not waiting for all the other sheep, but it's kind of like the, hey, I'll have a go if no one else is having a go, kind of a sheep. And it sees the hole in the fence. And if that sheep sees the hole, it runs through the hole. And as soon as one sheep goes, every single other sheep goes. That's how sheep work. And there are some sheep in this nation that are waiting for you. You're that sheep. They're waiting for you to look at the hole and go, hey, has anyone else noticed that hole? How come you guys aren't going? Why are you not moving? And often when you are that sheep, you can be tempted to be, be like, hey, I'll go when you go. When are you going to go? What about you? When are you going? Is anyone else going? No, they're not going. They're all waiting because they haven't seen what you've seen. But if you go into what you've seen, others will follow you and they will begin to see what you've seen because they need to see it enfleshed in you. When they see it enfleshed in you, they will see it. Oh, wow. You know, Josh is, 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 a, is an incarnation of, of a hole in the fence. He's, a, he's, a, he's evidence that there's green grass on the other side. Look, Josh did it. We can do it. I want to just say to you, arise and shine for your light has come. And some of you maybe even in this community are waiting for other people in this community. You've got dreams on your heart and you're like, man, I'm burning for this thing. Why is no one else going after this? Why is no one else pursuing this? Why is no one else? Like, I can't hear people talking about this in this community. Like I really, I'm passionate about this, but it doesn't, it seems like no one else is passionate about this here. Man, I, I don't know, am I kind of in the wrong place? No, you're not in the wrong place. Everyone's just waiting for you to stand up and begin to pursue the dream that's on your heart because no one's gonna see it until they see it in you. You're not in the wrong place. If you leave this place and go to another place, you will be wherever you go. And you will be there with your dream and you'll be in another location and there'll be a whole bunch of other people there and it'll be exactly the same scenario until you realise only when you stand up and step into who you are will others find that dream come alive in them. 
Um, some of you might have heard Chris, Val- uh, Chris Valentin talk about this guy, but I, this is the first time I ever heard about this guy is through Chris. But he, t- he tells the story of Roger Bannister. It's a, it's a super common story. But Roger Bannister, I think in 1952, um, I couldn't fully nail down the exact date, but I, I gathered it was in 1952 sometime. Um, there was a scenario in the world amongst the athletic community where no one believed it was possible to break the four-minute mile. Every, everyone, all the runners, all the people were like, yep, I mean, no, it's just absolute. No one in world history has ever been able to for thousands of years in all of recorded human history. No one, even the greatest athletes of all time, have never been able to break the four-minute mile. It just cannot be done. And this is what happened. Roger Bannister decided to... Decided to um, to, to believe, he decided to believe something different to what the other sheep were murmuring about. He decided to believe, you know what? Maybe no one's done it, but I think I see a hole in the fence. I'm pretty sure there's a hole in the fence and I'm pretty sure no one's done it because no one else has seen the hole. And this is what he did. There was a particular day where he was the first man on, in recorded human history to break the four-minute mile. He ran, the, he ran a mile in, in under four minutes. Now, that's amazing. That broke world records. It, 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 was, it was astonishing for the athletic community. People said, oh my gosh, uh, Roger Bannister has done what, no, what we believed that was absolutely physically impossible for a human to do. He's broke the four-minute mile. Now, this is, what, this is what happened after that. What happened after that is that person after person after person after person after person after person started running a mile in under four minutes. It, it, it went from impossible, this can never be done, to every man and his dog doing it. Why? Because the principle applies in every aspect of life. As soon as one goes, everyone can go. As soon as the world can see it in the one pioneer and the one forerunner, as soon as the world sees it in the one, it becomes available to the many. As soon as Christ church sees it in the one, it will become available to the many. There's another cool story about a guy. Um, I'll get his name right. George Danzig. Has anyone heard of George Danzig? Amazing guy. I mean, I don't know that much about him because I'm not really, uh, you know, really passionate about mathematics. But he was a mathematician. And he was, fam- let, me, let me tell you about some things he was famous for. He was famous, famous for the simplex algorithm, linear programming. He was uh, famous for statistical theory. He was famous for all these different things in, in mathematics. But this is one of his stories, and this is an amazing story. He was in a class in the 19, early 1970s. He was in a class. He was studying mathematics. He was a very good mathematics student. He was in the top class. And around him were all these students who were top mathematics students. And his, he was late to class one day, and his tutor had written two um, linear algebraic equations on the unsolved equations on the blackboard. These two equations. And what he assumed is he assumed, oh man, oh, I've been late to class. Oh gosh, I better write these down because this is homework. And so he wrote down his homework in his book and he wrote down these things and he thought, well, our job as students, our homework is to solve these problems. So he goes home and he spends the week and he's like, this is pretty difficult to solve these problems, but i I'll do it, you know, I'll do it. It's just a bit of homework, I'll, I'll figure it out. He figures it out, he solves these problems. He goes back to the class and he, and he hands his book to his teacher and he said, yeah, I did the homework. And the teacher said, the homework, what homework? 
And he said, the homework you wrote on the blackboard. And he's like, give me that book. And he looks at the book and he's like, whoa, how did you do that? And he said, do what? (laughs) I just did the homework. No, you didn't just do the homework. These are two mathematical equations that, that humanity for thousands of years have said can never be solved. These are the two unsolvable algebraic linear equations that, that cannot be solved, that people have thought these are impossible to solve. These are the two things that we thought would never happen. And you've just solved them in a week. People have been trying for hundreds and thousands of years to solve these two equations. You just did it in a week because you thought it was homework. That's crazy. Now, what does that teach you though? That teaches you this. It's just a thing in your mind. And, 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 and I want to ask you this question. Who told you it's impossible? Who told you you can't do it? Who told you you're not enough for that? Who told you you're not qualified enough? Who told you you're naked? Who told you you're not strong enough? Who told you you're not good enough? Who told you you're not handsome enough? Who told you your hair's not long enough? My wife. (laughs) Who told you? Because I tell you what, like if you just choose to tune into a different voice, if you just choose to believe a different person, everything could change for you. And if it changes for you, it'll change for everyone around you. If you see it, you can be it. And if Christchurch sees it in you, they will become what they see in you. This is pretty awesome. God's raising up a generation of people that just don't realize that the things everyone else thinks are impossible are impossible. They, I mean, I, I am praying for a generation who are oblivious to the bad news, who are just oblivious to, what? Really? You guys don't think... Like, okay, let me tell you a story. This is not even in my notes, but this is a cool story. We were in Fiji and I was with my kids. And I may have told some of the miracle stories from Fiji with the kids, but we were with the kids in Fiji. And uh, we had this thing, I won't go into details, but where um, my kids were getting their hair braided. A lady had a sore knee. She hadn't bent it. She hadn't been able to bend it for six years. My daughter, who was seven years old at the time, prayed for her knee. And it gets completely healed. She starts freaking out. Um, the lady next to her is the chief's um, wife. She's got a problem that's uh, been in her breast for 21 years, which is extreme, 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 like a really extreme issue, which I won't go into details. My daughters, they, they all pray for her. She gets completely healed. And then um, the chief comes. He opens up every house in the village. We walk around with the kids. And there's like just miracle after miracle after miracle lady uh, I think 17 years I think it was she couldn't um, move her foot and she was on the national basketball team but she injured her foot she couldn't move her foot she starts running around the house she's healed uh, just miracle after miracle after miracle with the kids it was amazing after that time we come to the pool at the resort the village was next to the resort that we're staying and we go to the resort we're just on holiday it's not a mission trip we're just on holiday and we go to the pool and there's some of our uh, the kids have made friends with some other kids and we're getting to know their parents who are Catholics from Melbourne, but they're not really spirit-filled or they haven't had you know, much of an experience with God yet. Amazing people, but their experience of God is they just haven't had their experience of God. And so we start talking to them and they say, hey, how's it going? 
I said, oh, great. You know, what have you guys been up to? Oh, we've just been hanging out at the pool. What have you guys been doing? Well, the kids got their hair braided and we went to the village and it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, what do you, what, how do you feel about the village? What's the village like? I said, it was great, man. Yeah, we saw some cool stuff happen. What did you see happen? Well, you know, some people got healed. We saw some, mir- what? You saw some miracles? You seriously saw miracles? Yeah, yeah. We told them some of the stories and they said, seriously, you saw those? Oh, my gosh. And then the, the, the seven-year-old girl who my daughter was friends with looks at my daughter, Ari, and says, did you seriously see a miracle? I was talking to my mum just last week in Melbourne, and I was asking her, mum, do you think miracles are still real? And my mum said, I don't know, hun. Maybe they're not. I'm not sure. I've never seen one. We don't know. And, and, and she says, did you really see a miracle? And my daughter... Ari looks at her and this is what she says this is the look on her face she says yeah yeah like the, the girl is looking at Ari going that is crazy that you've seen miracles and Ari's looking at the girl going that is crazy that you don't believe in miracles what and it's kind of like she's looking at the parents like how come you haven't taught them about miracles but this is, a, this, is a, this is a generation that's rising up and they're oblivious to what the generation before them thought was impossible. They don't have a concept that you can't break the four-minute mile. They don't have a concept that these algebraic equations are un, unsolvable. They, just, they don't have a grid for that. They don't have a grid for the word impossible. They don't have a grid for you can't do this. When they hear you can't do this, they rise up and they say, oh, well, that's just an invitation to do it. This is an invitation to prove all those guys wrong. And that's you guys. I'm talking to you. What, I, what I'm praying is that I'm praying that this doesn't go over your head. I'm praying that this smashes you in the heart and causes you to stand up and causes you to be a pioneer who believes God when maybe others don't. I remember um, being with Gerhard in, in, um, in our church in Auckland. Oh, I just love it that you're here, Gerhard. So good. Whoop, fall off the stage. <laughs> that was my attempt to actually walk in the air there, but didn't. Anyway, and um, I'll get back up there. <laughs> and I'll drink to that. I remember, don't do it again. I'll do Bill Johnson and just stand with my feet hanging over the end. <laughs> I was in, in our church and um, and I remember I remember having a conversation with God where I was complaining to the Lord. And I was saying, God, why is it that it just seems like it's just it's just like it's just like me and Andy and Gerhard and no one else is even interested in the supernatural. No one else is even interested in in miracle signs and wonders. We're not even going after this stuff. Like, Jesus, you healed people everywhere you went. Miracles happened. The dead were raised. You know, you walked on water. You multiplied food. You did all these supernatural things. And I don't hear anyone talking about these things in our church. And why? Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. When are you going to bring me into a group of people who are actually passionate about this stuff? And I was just whinging and moaning about the condition of my church, which I highly don't recommend. And, um, and I was like, God, I need to be in a group of people who are going after this stuff. I don't want to be the only one passionate about this stuff. I don't know if any of you have ever felt like that about that or about something else. 
Maybe some of you are like, why is no one else passionate about destroying the, the human trafficking issue in the world? I feel like I'm the only one passionate about that. Maybe there's something else that you're passionate about. For me, it was the supernatural back in the church again. And I was complaining to God saying, where, where is our church even at? And this is what God said to me. He said, Matt, have you considered that possibly I have put that in you so that you can break open a way for many? Have you considered that maybe everyone in this church is waiting for you? And I said, God, I have not considered that. Because honestly, I have just not thought very highly of myself at all. I haven't thought that I've actually had what it takes to do that. And that's what was the honest response of my heart. And God said to me, Matt, if you don't stand up, no one's going to stand up. Stop waiting for everyone else around you to go first. Why don't you just go? Why don't you just do something? Why don't you stand up and then you watch? Watch what happens when you stand up. And so that's when we started the treasure hunt thing at the church. And we started this treasure hunt ministry. And, and, we, and I thought, well, maybe, a, maybe one or two people will come. First night, I think there was like 15 people that came. Second night, there was like 20. Third night, there was like 30. And then it went to like, got to like 70, 80 people in the lounge doing Friday night evangelism. This is when it wasn't common to do this. This is when it wasn't happening. And I, it, it, it was awesome. There was, we saw the craziest miracles happen. And it was just like every week, the craziest miracles were happening. And the treasure hunt started to happen all over the North Island of New Zealand. People were coming from other churches to learn and be trained in the living room. And all these, this evangelistic, supernatural evangelism thing started to explode. And I shared about the cloud and about praying for people the other day. That was in the context of this going on. And it was amazing. I watched as all of a sudden, everyone started to, to come alive with supernatural evangelism. And that's part of my story. But what's yours? Like, I wonder if there's some people in this room and I wonder if there's something in you and the world is waiting for you to step into that thing that God's already put in your heart. I wonder if there's like Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I wonder if the Christ in you, the hope of glory is actually wrestling on the inside of you, trying to get you to stand up so Christ can stand up within you. I wonder if... There's a wrestle on the inside of you for something. And I wonder if you're waiting for someone else. And I realize that this isn't maybe for everyone, but there are some people in this room. And it's time for you to stand up. In, 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 a, in the truest sense, the world is waiting for you. And some of you have done it in the past. Some of you have conquered some giants. Some of you have stood up and have pioneered some things. It just doesn't stop there. There's more ground to take. And so here's what I want to do. You guys okay? I want to pray for you. And so I just want you to close your eyes. Jesus, right now, I thank you. Thank you that you're in this room. And thank you that no one in this room needs to stand up in their own strength. But thank you that you are actually standing up within people right now. Thank you, God, that as we respond to the way you're stirring us on the inside, 
as we respond, you actually heap grace upon us to do what we couldn't do without your grace. Father, right now I just declare your presence over this room. I declare your glory over this room right now. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God, I declare that your glory rise upon people right now. I declare your glory rise upon people right now. I declare your presence over people right now. God, I thank you for your hand that invites us into the freedom of being the people you've called us to be. God, I thank you for your grace that lifts us. I thank you for your grace that forms us and shapes us into the people you've called us to be. God, I thank you for your grace right now. I thank you for your grace right now. I thank you for new songs, new books, new businesses, new ventures, new social new new social justice projects, new missions, vision, new I thank you for the new God. I thank you for the desert. And I thank you God for the thunder in the desert. And I thank you that the rain's coming. And God, I declare that you would give people in this room wisdom to know what is their thunder. What are they forerunning? What is the thing that you've put on the inside of them that the world's waiting to see? What is that thing? 